1: Hey guys, welcome back to the Working Gals Guide podcast and you know the deal, I'm here to interview people in all different careers, all different industries and chat about their journey and how they got there. I'm really here to help you get inspired and really help you find your dream job as well. So welcome to our podcast and thanks for tuning in. Hey, everyone. I'm here today with Lauren. Uh, Welcome back, Lauren. I'm so excited for you to be here with me today and chat because I know we've been, I guess you could call us internet friends for like the Mm -hmm. last couple months. So it's so good to finally like meet you over video and Zoom and maybe one day I'll come visit you in New York. Who knows? Yes,
0: please do. (laughs) Thanks so much for having me on. I'm so, so enthused and flattered that you'd have me on your podcast.
1: Of course. I mean... Out of everyone, I feel like you do feel like that girl boss like model so well, so you telling your story is going to be awesome. Thank <laughs> um, you. I'm excited. <laughs> yes, for sure. So to start it off, though, do you mind just giving us a quick intro of yourself? Just tell us a bit about where you're from and what you're doing.
0: Okay, where to begin? Well, first off, my name is Lauren, and I'm a graphic designer and creator based out of New York City, as you mentioned. And I'm originally from Los Angeles. I live like right outside in the southern suburbs in Orange County. So I grew up really just surrounded by the entertainment industry and movies and media and was always really intrigued by the power of storytelling and like the different avenues you can take with that. And so I always knew that I was not going to be the, like, I wasn't going to be like that Asian girl that like was super good at math and science and STEM as much as my parents wanted me to be. Mm -hmm. I was just always like the creative black sheep of the family, right? And so I feel like that was really defining for me in my career because I always worked twice as hard, three times as hard, not only to prove it to myself, but to prove it to my family where Mm -hmm. being a creative isn't necessarily the most like approved or like expected way for you Mm -hmm. to go and that's really shaped I think my work ethic and who I am as a designer and like the things that I stand for and the kind of work that I take on and so I'm currently working for Condé Nast so um, a few brands you've probably heard of Vogue, GQ, Bon Appetit, Wired and so I support the video teams by doing pretty much all of the advertising Um, like banners and graphics that you see on like Roku or Apple TV, in addition to helping like brand some of the biggest series um, that you watch. So it's, it's really cool. It's a crazy opportunity to have given I graduated now just about over a year ago. So Mm -hmm. it's been, it's been wild.
1: (laughs) I know for sure. It feels like, you know, it's almost like a dream job. I feel like sometimes our dream job is working like a Vogue or a GQ, like you mentioned, but other times like you get to be in a position where you support these companies. And sometimes that's almost better. I want to say just because you get to touch so many of them, right. And kind of see the ends of them and just, I mean, it's cool to say, Hey, I work with Vogue or like, Hey, you've seen my stuff on Apple TV. Like that is amazing to say. (laughs) So, you know, kudos to you. First of all, you've accomplished a lot, not just like within the last year, but of course, you know, your entire life as well. I mean, I've seen your resume. I it's it's good. It's good. I'm gonna say that.
0: Thanks. <laughs> Hit me um, up on LinkedIn, girl. I got you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but I I do want to go back to what you said mm. at the beginning of your intro. So you mentioned you were kind of like the creative black sheep of your family, mm. and if you don't mind going into it, what really made you feel drawn to the creative um, side of everything? Given that your family maybe didn't come from that background, and maybe wasn't yeah. like, hey, Lauren, I really want you to go into digital, for example. So Like, where'd that passion come from?
0: I, so my mom was a creative, like, way back in the day. She did a lot of, like, painting and interior design. And so she was always, like, really artsy, but, like, she's, that's not what she does for a living. That was kind of just, like, a passion project, right? So I grew up surrounded by her passion projects. And I, like, always loved to paint and write and draw. That's just what I like to do with my spare time. Mm -hmm. And as I grew older... And I have an older sister. She's four years older than me. And so she kind of was the one that, like, did all the test runs, right? Like, I followed in her footsteps and kind of got to figure out what worked and what didn't. And I was lucky enough that she had, like, a digital SLR camera. And so from a young age, I, like, got to borrow it and tinker with it. And I got into taking photos. And from photo editing, it became a really, like, easy transition into, like, doing graphic design and, like, instead of focusing so much on photo, focusing on, like, actual, like, digital content creation and, like, the Mm -hmm. editing behind it, and in high school, I was fortunate enough to be on our high school yearbook, which, this sounds so nerdy, but I was on our (laughs) high school yearbook staff, and that was when I, like, really got to create work that was getting put out into the universe, and, like, Mm -hmm. people were actually seeing and liking, and I devoted so much time for that, I Mm -hmm. finally, like, realized one day in high school, like, this is what I enjoy doing. This is what I spend most of my time doing. Like, why mm-hmm. would I not pursue this? Yeah. Um, so it, it felt really natural. I feel very lucky in the sense that like from a young age, I kind of knew what I liked and what I mm. could be good at and really yeah. focused on honing in on those strengths. Mm-hmm. So I know it's not like that for everybody, but I can say this is so cliche, but from like the time I was like seven years old, I was using Photoshop, you know, so right. it, it, mm-hmm. it's been a part of me forever.
1: That's amazing. Yeah. It's almost like it's in like your DNA, like subconsciously, like you Mm -hmm. knew you wanted to do this and now it's coming to fruition. Everything's happening. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: Thank you.
1: Yeah. I mean, in also if you don't mind getting into it, like, was it hard Mm -hmm. to kind of like tell your parents like, Hey, like I want to pursue a bachelor in fine arts. Like, Hey, I want to be a graphic designer. Was that a difficult conversation to have? Oh my gosh. Yes.
0: Yes, it was, and I remember my senior year, um, college application season, I wanted to apply to, like, the art schools, right? I wanted to go to, like, the SBA or the Parsons, but I knew that, like, my parents would never buy into that, and art school is expensive, so I knew I was going to go to a traditional four-year American university, um, but it... was really hard in a sense of like okay look you're gonna choose these schools but like what is that school known for like what are you gonna major in and I grew up with like I grew up as a very outspoken person and was good at public speaking and Mm -hmm. arguing and so there was a point in my life where I was like yeah I'll just go to law school maybe I'll be a lawyer like this could work right yeah we all had Um, a coolest moment right (laughs) right no totally I was like legally flawed like that's gonna be me um but like that's just not who I am. And that's what my parents thought I was going to be. And so when I started, so, you know, be like, well, I want to do graphic design. I think they thought it was a faith, you know, because it was just something I did on the side. And I guess like by going to a traditional four year university, so many people change majors. I think the statistic is like most college students change their major at least two times throughout the course of college. mm But I, I stayed steadfast and stayed in my BFA course all four years and never really looked back. And, My parents, I think, were a little apprehensive at first, but like I said, I just was like, okay, I need to work twice as hard to get anyone's approval and to find any success in such a competitive field. And it was like after I started interning that I think was really when my parents realized Mm -hmm. like, okay, she's not going to be like a broke, starving college student. Like she's not going to be like the broke artist trope, Mm -hmm. right? Right. So I think it it was that. It was getting the honors I was getting. In school, through my Mm -hmm. grades and the internships I was getting, that made them feel more confident that, like,
1: yes, this is a real career path. Mm -hmm. No, for sure. That makes sense. And I mean, like, you've had internships at big companies, like well known companies that I think everyone knows, like USA Today, for example, massive. Like, just dropping that name, like, we're like, first of all, must be so hard to get a job there. Like, you got through probably thousands of applicants to get that job. They picked you, which means you probably have. A great skill when it comes to graphic design and digital art in general so I mean do you want to talk to that a bit and tell us about yeah. how you got that job was it through oh your school goodness, or did you, you have a connection there
0: okay so I think to backtrack ironically enough USA Today wasn't the most competitive internship I've gotten I don't think um after my sophomore year of college I interned at Paramount Pictures one of the big six or I guess big five movie studios yeah this yeah. is i went into working there like so hyped right like so enthusiastic this Mm -hmm. is a movie studio like this is so cool i'm in hollywood um but it was my second week of interning and i had finally kind of like broken the ice with my manager and the team and there were two interns to this team i was on and so i'm sitting on like my first big one-on-one with my manager and we got real and I knew, so there was a hundred interns that summer and 15,000 people had applied, right? So like the odds were like ridiculous. So I was already feeling like, wow, this is crazy. But I'm in this meeting and she was just like, I'm going to be honest with you, Lauren, like out of the 10 people I interviewed for this job, you were the only one that didn't have like a star next to your name. Meaning I was the only one that came in without a referral or without like being somebody's like, kid in the business you know I was mm-hmm. the only one that kind of had just cold applied no referral is nothing and just like made it somehow through the interview process and I think that was an extremely humbling but also like overwhelming like nugget of knowledge just knowing mm-hmm. how important it is to know people in the business and how much harder you do have to work when you're first gen in a situation and mm-hmm. have to make a name for yourself but I think that just shows that, you know, if you you do work hard, it it can happen, but knowing people definitely helps. Mm -hmm. But for USA Today, I had been like applying for internships because I was like, oh shit, like I need, oh sorry, bleep me out. But I was like, <laughs> it's fine. I-, it's fine. <laughs> I need to, I like, need to work over the semester to pay for sorority dues to pay for food, you know, like mm-hmm. just have spending money. Yeah, yeah, and I didn't yeah. want to just like pick up like a retailer food job. I was like, I need something that'll help me build my portfolio because yes, it was yeah. my senior year. And I was like, oh gosh, like the real world is quickly approaching. Yeah. So I looked on LinkedIn and saw that Actually, this is so funny. My first like internship manager from my freshman year of college, she had left the tech company she was at that I was interning with and was now a manager at USA Today and not in the same department or anything, but I just like hit her up. I like still had her phone number and she and I were very close Mm -hmm. and was like, Hey, like, I don't know how involved you are with the internship process, but like I saw this opening would love if, like, you can, like, give me some insights. And she was super great, connected me with a hiring manager, and he and I, like, hit it off right off the bat. Um, but that was also, like, surreal. You know, working mm-hmm. in news is yeah. a very interesting place to be. and For especially sure. Especially in D.C., so I, I feel really fortunate. That was a very – Like it just crazy, crazy
1: experience. Mm -hmm. No. Yeah, for sure. I mean, even you describing your situation at Paramount, the fact that, like you said, you didn't have the star next to your name, being first gen is difficult. Like Mm -hmm. almost everyone I talk to who's, you know, trying to break into an industry. It's like, it's so difficult when you don't have those connections, when your Mm -hmm. mom doesn't know someone who knows someone, when, you know, your dad isn't, you know, cousins with someone Mm -hmm. who like knows the person that's the CEO you're not like a a donor you know yeah yeah it's so difficult so like kudos to you again like out of everyone that applied like insane insane that you got that job and obviously you excelled so much like it's it's great to hear that because I feel like it's really inspirational to people listening who don't come from those connections Mm -hmm. it's still possible like you said as long as you work hard so I I mean, that's a huge lesson to anyone listening. Just be persistent. Try to build those connections the best you can. Mm -hmm. As soon as you get one job or one position, you're able to just grow your network a little bit. And then from there, you know, it keeps growing. You have connections from there. You can reach out to people when you need help and vice versa. They're going to reach out to you as well, of course. Um, But yeah, like... It's just that first break into the industry the is what you need. Yeah. It's the first break. And it's not
0: easy. And I mm-hmm. love that you mentioned persistence because that mm-hmm. is huge. And that's a big part of how I got my current job was just mm-hmm. being persistent and messaging people on LinkedIn or like cold emailing is never a comfortable process. <laughs> it's like never mm-hmm. fun. But sometimes that's what you need to do to stand out amongst the crowd. Mm-hmm. And so persistence is so, so, so key because Mm -hmm. not only does it like build a familiarity with your name, Mm -hmm. but it just shows that you're willing to put in the extra like 10 minutes a day to just touch base, check in. So Mm -hmm. yeah, showing you care is so important.
1: Exactly. That's the biggest thing. Like, honestly, it's just like putting your name out there. Like they'll notice, they'll see your Mm -hmm. name coming in their inbox. Like they're going to know like Lauren cares. She wants to work here. She cares about this company. Like, yeah, no, it means a lot when people do reach out. And I have an interesting question, actually. So it. when it comes to someone who's talented versus someone who purely just works hard, who maybe isn't, doesn't have all the talent, what do you think wins out in terms of getting the job? I'm just curious to get your take on this. Oh,
0: okay. So in the creative field is interesting, right? Because mm-hmm. you have a lot of egos, just a lot, a lot of egos. Yes, and yeah. Some of those egos are like rightfully deserved. Um, Some, maybe not so much. Yeah. But I think if you work really, really hard, the talent will come, Mm -hmm. but I think if you work really hard, there's the caveat of like, you can't just expect anything to happen because you're working hard. You Mm -hmm. need to grow, you know, like you can't just be a machine outputting a ton of like subpar content when you work hard. Like you need to be able to show development and that you're improving. Um, but I think with that comes the talent. And Mm -hmm. I know some designers that are just, Oh God, they have like God given talent. And I get so green because Mm -hmm. I'm just like, wow. Like I wish I didn't have to work nearly as hard to like, produce something as beautiful as what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But there are some people that have that talent that have the kind of egos and the kinds of personalities that don't mesh well in teams. So I think it's it's really a combination of mm-hmm. like your work ethic and how you conduct yourself like in a workspace Mm -hmm. Because there, I have seen so many talented people not get hired because of the fact that they just give off that bad vibe that like you wouldn't be able to work with them, you know, whereas Mm -hmm. the hard worker at least you can direct and you can guide and you know that they'll work hard to make those improvements. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, so true. And I think a good manager or a good hiring manager in general, HR person, whoever is hiring, they can always pick out talent and they can always pick Mm -hmm. out a hard worker. They can also pick out someone who's coachable, which I think is maybe the biggest thing. Like being coachable, I think is huge, Mm -hmm. um, right along with motivation and ambition and all of that. But being able to be the person who comes into a company is willing to be a sponge and just soak up absolutely everything that you're seeing, learning Mm -hmm. from everyone. That's the kind of person they want at the company. So I definitely agree with what you're saying. Um, I want to touch a bit about the fact that, again, you've worked at amazing companies and currently an amazing company as well. I'm curious, do you ever feel like you have imposter syndrome being, again, like, amazing companies, but then also you're, I think the youngest person at Condé Nast in the I'm digital the team, is that person. correct?
0: In general, I believe yeah, in I general, am the youngest yeah. person at Condé. Yeah, that's crazy. In America, at least. Um, oh my gosh, that's anymore. like Hopefully, so great. Hopefully, I mean, with this the new round of new gadgets, I probably am not going to be the youngest anymore, but when I first started, I, I was 21, 21 years old. Yeah. I was the yeah. youngest in the company. Um, And, yeah, oh, my goodness, I felt so much imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. I mentioned this on um, another podcast, 20-something trials, but I literally would just, like, dress the part, wear the makeup, walk, like, with confidence because I didn't want to give off that, like, young vibe. Mm -hmm. Um, But there there have been moments, and I feel like internships, it's such an interesting culture because – there's almost like this intern glow around you right where like mm-hmm. because you're the intern you're allowed to like ask these questions or like it's more socially acceptable to like act our age mm-hmm. whereas like when you make that transition into being a new grad it's it's not as forgiving mm-hmm. and I think that was for me the hardest part was like Lauren like don't be the intern like I can't mm-hmm. act with intern mentality anymore mm-hmm. but it was all of a sudden like oh my gosh what like I'm an adult like I'm, I'm here and like I'm ah, like what is this? And, you know, I will say in the last, it's been 10 months since I've been at Condé, there have been some meetings where you could tell that some people just don't take my voice as seriously because I'm the youngest person in the room. And that can be really disheartening. But also, I, that for me, I always just take that as a motivating factor to come prepared to every meeting, come prepared with questions. And if I have counterpoints, come prepared with the facts and the statistics to back that up. And to not let my voice waver. I think that was a big thing is I would be afraid to like speak up because I thought like my voice didn't deserve to be heard. Like, what did I know? Mm-hmm. But then you have to sit back and also realize that they wouldn't have hired you if they didn't think that you're bringing an important perspective or that like you you didn't know your stuff, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. it's hard. No, it,
0: it's not mm-hmm. easy.
1: No, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it's a difficult feeling to deal with because it's almost like there's not that many people I feel that really empathize with it because mm-hmm. I don't think that, to be honest, I really don't feel like I've talked to too many people that have felt this way. They're almost just like, Oh, like you deserve it. Like you try to describe it. They're like, Oh, you deserve it. Like you're meant to be there. I'm like, I know. I but know, at the same but... time, it's hard to deal yeah. with Cause you're like, why'd they pick me? Like, why do they think I'm smart enough? Why do they want to yeah. give this big client to me to deal with or this big, big project to me to deal with? So 100%. yeah. And it's like, it's a confidence thing. And you know it's simply just being self confident like you said you have to show up dress the part act the part behave the part come with the facts like you said as well and that's how you deal with it but it's still difficult at the same time um you know just trying to deal with all these weird feelings and self doubt that you can feel especially mm-hmm. if there are people sometimes that kind of you know almost like not undermine you but they they almost doubt you in a way even yeah. if it's like not like a very outright Direct, out, yeah you just like feel it you just you feel know kind of you could like suss
0: people out and yes. I think you know I, I actually covered imposter syndrome in, in one of my first episodes and
1: mm-hmm. it's
0: just really interesting because I feel like as new grads all of us are feeling it but nobody wants to admit it right mm-hmm. and so something we brought up was just how important it is to find somebody in your workplace that is around the same age or maybe you know like somebody that you look up to that could empathize Mm -hmm. because it's also so important to like validate those feelings and know that you're not the only one going through it yes and so like I found somebody at work who had just graduated like a year before so she was only a year older than me and like was like I still feel like feel that way all the time and the two of us kind of like made like a pact to like ask each other questions you know like like, did you ever wonder this like you know like we kind of float the more like rookie questions with each other mm-hmm. rather than going to like higher ups first to kind of help us learn yeah. together.
1: Mm-hmm. So that makes sense. Definitely that makes sense. Yeah. But
0: yeah, you're right. It's we. Re- it's a
1: weird thing. It's a, it's a really weird thing. Yeah. It's, it's bizarre. And like, sometimes it's almost like you feel it and you're like, should I even be feeling this? Because like I feel like it's okay for like a celebrity feel it or like, you know, a teen movie star to feel it because Mm -hmm. like they're a teen and all of a sudden everyone like loves them, but it's like, you know, I feel special because I feel like I'm getting a lot of responsibility right now and a lot of Mm -hmm. praise for what I'm doing, but I even deserve to feel like I have imposter syndrome. It's such a weird circle that you go around in your head, So meta, (laughs) right? Yeah. It's so crazy. Um, But yeah, like coming into the company, being the youngest in America or like even like, you know, globally, perhaps. Mm -hmm. um, Did you ever feel this need to really prove yourself? I'm sure you did. But how did you deal with that? How did you deal with the pressure that you may have put on yourself as well?
0: Oh, gosh. Oh, man. I'm
1: like, (laughs) I felt so,
0: so much pressure, not only on my behalf, but on my manager's behalf, right? Because I'm sure I wasn't the obvious choice. You know, I was the youngest, fresh out of college. Like, mm-hmm. sure, I've had these internships, but like, not. You know, they're not. People see them as like real jobs, which is really unfortunate because you yeah. do real work as interns these days. Mm-hmm. So I felt this pressure to show them that they weren't wrong. You know, to show that like I really did deserve to be here and that I was talented, right? Because there are so many, so many wonderfully talented creatives at Condé Nast, it's a little overwhelming to think that like, do I really deserve to be in their ranks? And then Mm -hmm. you start to be like, okay, well,
1: shoot, I need to prove myself then. Yeah. I think the mindset that I am so happy I've adopted, and I'm sure you have adopted the same mindset from just like you telling me everything you just have is that, you know, it's good to celebrate what you've just done and achieved, which is, you know, get hired, you have a certain salary, a certain role, but at the same time, you can't stop here. You have mm-hmm. to now work for the next salary, the next, you know, yes. bump, the next uh, title, the next, you know, everything that you want, you have to continuously put the work in. Always work mm-hmm. for that next thing. And I mean, yeah. that really goes into the goals that you set for yourself. So I mean, it's just a constant, um, it's constant work, it's constant effort, but it really does pay off in the end when you do achieve, I would say. I agree. Mm-hmm.
0: No, totally. And I feel like that's a pitfall that I had just seen in so many of, like, my peers and my colleagues in mm-hmm. college where, like, they graduated, they get into, like, this awesome job, and then it's just stagnant, mm-hmm. right? And that was just something that never, like, boded well for me. I'm, I've always mm-hmm. been the kind of person that's been like, all right, what's next? What's next? What's next? Yes. Like, goal-oriented. Yeah. And so I think going into a job with a strategic kind of plan, like, about generally what you want to accomplish in any given amount of time helps hold yourself accountable mm-hmm. for sure.
1: I agree. That's so funny that you said that because I remember it must have been like maybe four or five months ago. I had been working at my current company for about six months at the time. Mm -hmm. And I said to a friend, I'm like, I'm thinking about what my next move is. Like, where do I want to step into the organization? Is it like Mm -hmm. a lateral move? Is it to a different team? Is it, you know, in the same team I'm in, but like one step above or whatever. And she goes to me, why can't you just be happy with where you are? And I said, I "I can't stop. I'm always thinking about what's next. And it seems like you're the same way. It's hard to, it's hard to slow your brain down when you're so career driven.
0: Yes. Oh, I agree. And I really, I really hate that somebody said that to you because it's unfortunate that like, like I'm sure she didn't mean it as like something like insulting, but it's just like, you know, it's like hard to hear when it's like you're this isn't just about you. Like it's about how you're contributing to the company and like making some sort of an impact, you know, it isn't just like a you driven thing. It's like, yes, we're career driven, but with that comes like the heart behind wanting to do something bigger than ourselves, you know? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, exactly. I agree. I mean, I'm so happy that you feel that way. And I think that with that mindset, like you're going to go far. I mean, you already have, but I do want to talk about some of the exciting things about your job too. So in terms of like, say the most, Maybe the thing that really gets you out of bed to like go do your job, what are those things?
0: Oh, what gets me out of bed? So, I would say I have a lot of work that I do that never sees, like the public never sees, right? And like that's fine. Like I'm glad I'm designing for my coworkers and like the internal use and like sales, like that's all really important but what I'm most excited for is when I get to work on the things that I know like consumers, like people get to watch and view and like interact with, like that's what excites me the most. Mm-hmm. Like I just wrapped up, it should be going live soon. So I'm allowed to say it, but I did um, the graphic effects package for an Instagram TV series that self magazines editor in chief is a host of. And so like getting to work on that was so exciting mm-hmm. and I was the only designer in charge of Bon Appetit's Samsung TV launch. And that happened like three months into my job. Yeah, And it was kind of unexpected. They were like, oh shoot, like who is supposed to do this? Like this is new, nobody's done it. And I was the designer that knew how to like work the program. So they Mm -hmm. were like, I guess Lauren's doing it. And like, that was crazy. Like it's a TV channel that gets like millions of views every day it just mm, it like huge. blew my mind yeah and so it's it's working on those things that like I know people are going to interact with and have fun with that make mm-hmm. me so excited
1: mm-hmm. that's interesting I love that like it's so cool that you get to work on all these like very high profile like projects that's amazing I mean like I feel I like I'd be looking too. at it when it's like done and like running and just being like I can't believe that was like me that did that. Like, do you ever feel that you're like, this is like unbelievable. Oh My
0: goodness. My parents bought a Samsung TV, um, for our house after I had made that channel, because I was like, I put blood, sweat and tears into this. (laughs) Like I need you to support me. (laughs) And so it'll be funny because I'll, I'll be, I'll walk into their room and they'll have the channel on and I'll see like a graphic I made or like like, a commercial that I made, and it's, like, this is wild, you know, like, people are actually
1: viewing this, like, this
0: isn't fake. (laughs)
1: No, no, like, that's the thing, it's, like, I mean, you see that kind of, like, level of, um, you know, like, project on TV, for example, like, that level of graphic, and, like, you just assume, like, wow, like, massive corporation it must mm-hmm. be like an amazing person who's like done this obviously that and, like, oh, <laughs> and it's you and like you're now that amazing accomplished you know high-end person it's, so weird. <laughs> it's amazing I love and, that for you I'm here you. for it.
0: it it's so funny because I, I, I still just I don't see myself as that and I don't know if I ever will because I mm-hmm. always just see myself as this like little girl who just like loves making things and like mm-hmm. making people smile through work so it's just like really cool that to know that like people like you that I find so successful in their own right like think that what I'm doing is cool because to me this is just like yeah it's my job but like I just like having fun with it you know so that's really awesome
1: yeah no for sure and I mean like I I I look at you and I'm like wow like girl boss all the way like it's it's cool I mean I'm here for it I'm here for your success and I honestly again I know I've said this but I cannot like wait to see where you are even just like five years like I see you like maybe you're going to be like an SVP by the time you're 30. You know what I mean? Oh like God, that please, is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but speaking of being put on big projects like that, mm-hmm. do you find that these come to you or do you have to actively ask for more responsibility, actively ask for projects to be given to you? What's your thoughts around that?
0: Oh, that's a really good question. And I think, I think it goes both ways, right? Mm-hmm. So when you start new, I feel like the first like five months of you a new job is like, you learning your role and like getting good at it and so you don't have as much time to take on like the really cool projects yet you know like I feel like you're still testing the waters your mm-hmm. team is still figuring out your strengths and like what you can really bring to the table that's different and so for me I spent like yeah the first five months or so really just soaking everything up and finding ways to expedite my like bread and butter of what I do right like presentation decks the advertisements and like Maybe like a few like emails here and there. How can I expedite that so that I have time to take on or like you put on bigger projects? And once I started to show that like I had the time and I could time manage that really well and was responsible, that's when I started to be like, oh, well, I have time. Like I can come to that meeting or like, oh, I can take on like we like use Trello, right? So I'm like, oh, Mm -hmm. I can take on that card. Like I have time to do this. I have time to do that. And I think the goal at the end of the day is to make yourself so indispensable. So like any project, any company that when it comes time for like your one year review or like your two year review, you can confidently say like you deserve a raise or you deserve the next promotion because you've worked on these big projects. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like as you start to prove yourself at a company, the projects kind of find you and that's, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Right. Like I'm almost at my first year and like, yeah, I get like looped into meetings with people that I'm like, how am I in this meeting right now? Yes, like I yeah. was in a meeting with the guy behind 73 questions, the SVP of sales and like the SVP of marketing for video and was like, why am I here? Not like, why am I here? But like, how am I here? Yeah, yeah. And it's because as people start to trust you, they want to keep you on because they, they know that you'll deliver.
1: Yes. Yeah. No, that's huge. I mean, I think the key thing that you said, there's like, make yourself indis- indispensable. Like you have to be able to bring so much value that people don't Mm -hmm. want you going anywhere. Like they want you right on their team. They want to work with you. They want to bring you, you know, with them Mm -hmm. everywhere they go and make sure you help them out because you're like that person they can count on all the time. So yeah, it's huge. I mean, and it sometimes it does take time to get to that place. Like you do Mm -hmm. have to put the work in. I think to, like you said, you know, four or five months, like spend your time learning your product, honing your craft, understanding the service that your company provides, because without that knowledge base, you can't develop this trust between you Mm -hmm. and your manager, for example, your coworkers. So it really is a lot of work to just understand what you're doing and understand the company so deeply Mm -hmm. and also not just your team, but also the teams around you, the clients you have, how Mm -hmm. you guys should be interacting with them. The more you know about absolutely everything, the more of an asset you become. Yes. But the last thing I do want to touch on, of course, is the fact that you do have your own podcast as well, which yeah. I, I love it. I think everyone should listen, Rookies in the Real World. But give us a quick breakdown of what it is, what it's about, and what you do on it. Oh my gosh, thank you. I almost like forgot to bring that up, so thank you so <laughs>
0: But Rookies in the Real World is just this really honest entertaining but educational podcasts on figuring out how to adult in your 20s and something that was really important to me as I started a podcast like I'm pretty sure you can tell I'm a very like orient the goal oriented detail oriented Mm -hmm. person and so I just wanted to create a podcast with like structure so that whoever's listening they kind of know what to expect and you don't you could just like look at an episode title and like immediately know okay this is this is what I'm here for so four weeks in a month. So we cover four different topics. The first week of the month is always New York specific. So how to find an apartment or like finding roommates, the best boroughs to live in on a budget, that kind of thing. The second week is career growth and development. So that's really, yeah, where we talk about things like Mm -hmm. imposter syndrome or being the youngest in the workplace. The third is like, adulting so for example I like brought on these two hosts from like a finance podcast and it was pretty much like all right finance in your 20s like I'm not the expert but you are Mm -hmm. um and things like that you know that they don't teach you in college and then the fourth week of every month is like a wine Wednesday where we break down more like relationships love current events so it's a little bit of everything and it's been I think a really fun way to document both like my own journey through everything. Cause I'm, I'm still such a rookie in the real world. And that was the impetus for this was like creating a resource like for people mm-hmm. like us, but it's also just been really fun getting to know really incredible people like you. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I think that's, it's, it's great that you brought that up because honestly I feel like the best part of podcasting that you don't assume going in mm-hmm. is that you do get to connect with amazing people, whether yes. it's just podcasts you listen to or the guests you bring on I think that's honestly the most valuable part for me is having these chats with new people Mm -hmm. that I would never have ever met otherwise. Like, you know, slim chance I would have ever talked to you. Like, (laughs) you know, like it's just insane. Yeah. And And now we get to visit each other, have
0: some fun international (laughs)
1: trips. Yes, Yes, for sure. Exactly. I mean, It's amazing. And I love your podcast. Everyone should listen to it. I'm going to link it in the show notes, of course, so you can find it there. But yeah, so thank you so much for coming on. This has been amazing. I feel like I've absorbed so much from just talking to you right now. And (laughs) yes, before before we head out, before we say bye, I want to make sure everyone can find you. So let us know where your socials are and what they are and everything. Yes. Okay. My personal um, Instagram
0: is laurenlapid.jpeg, J-P-E-G. Very on brand as a designer. Um, But you can find my podcast at Rookies in the Real World. And if you're ever curious about design work or want to reach out, um, you could look me up on LinkedIn. I'm always happy to connect and be a part of your network.
1: So I'm Mm -hmm. the only
0: Lauren Lapid on LinkedIn, so it shouldn't be hard to find.
1: (laughs) you're so unique. I love it. perfect well thank you so much for coming on again appreciate it of
0: course thank you this was so fun I'm honored